So there's so many things that you can do that are outside the box to generate more buzz, more traffic, literally foot traffic into your store, and hopefully more sales. So those are the kinds of things that can only come when you know your numbers. You can come up with all these ideas, but if your if your physical store is performing really well, there's no not no point, but it may be better your effort going into getting the online store up and running than to pour more money into the physical store. Not always, but without knowing those figures, it's hard to know where your effort needs to go. Do you love your life as a small business owner? Let's be real, sometimes we just don't. It's my hope that this, the My Daily Business podcast, helps you regain a little of that lost love through practical, actionable tips, tools, and tactics, interviews with creative and curious small business owners, and in-depth coaching episodes with me, your host, Fiona Kalaki. With more than 20 years experience in marketing, brand, content, and systems, and having now helped thousands of small business owners, I know what it takes to build a business that you can be proud of and that actually aligns with your values, your beliefs, and your hopes for the future. So much of our daily life is spent working on and in the businesses and the brands that we are creating. And so it makes sense to actually love what you do. So let's get into this podcast and help you figure out how to love your business and your life on the daily. Hello and welcome to episode 360 of the My Daily Business podcast. Today it is a coaching episode and this one is particularly useful if you are feeling a little, I don't know, uneasy, uncertain at the moment about everything to do with your business. So before we get stuck into that, of course, I'm going to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on the land on which I record, and that is the Wawarong and Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. The other thing I wanted to mention is that it is a really difficult period in history, really, at the moment. And I know that a lot of people are in grief and pain, and we are seeing immense suffering all over the world. And so I just want to make sure that you are looking after yourself. And if you need help at the moment, please reach out to help. If you're in Australia, Beyond Blue actually offers six free mental health coaching sessions. So that is with a mental health coach. And you can find all about that on the link in our show notes, or you can just Google Beyond Blue New Access Business Owners. Anyone with an Australian business number can access that. But if you're listening from outside of Australia, I would urge you to look at mental health resources in your own area, but also just reach out to friends. Often it's the people that we think are doing the best that actually need some help. And that may well be you. It might be you as a business owner who looks like everything is sorted and actually you're the one that somebody needs to reach out and help. So just don't be afraid to reach out, tell somebody I need a bit of help. And if you have absolutely nobody to tell, you can always email us hello at mydailybusiness.com. Send us a DM at mydailybusiness underscore or on TikTok, mydailybusiness. And believe me, we will be happy to chat. All right, let's get into today's coaching episode. As I said at the start, at the moment, there's a lot of uncertainty and I've been working with small business owners for about eight years now in my own business, but I also previously worked in retail roles, in head of marketing for major companies, both here in Australia and in the UK. And I know that this time of year is 
a really difficult one, particularly for retail businesses, where they may be looking at making 50% or more of their annual revenue literally in the next couple of months. And it's also the period where with those same businesses, they have spent a huge amount of money on stock and inventory and haven't yet sold that through. So they haven't seen the benefit and the return on investment of that. And so this can be a very uncertain time. But I also know, because I've worked with so many service businesses, that service-based businesses can feel a little uneasy at this time of year as well, because they are coming up to a break. So here in Australia and in the Southern Hemisphere, we tend to have a bigger break of the year over this period. And so a lot of offices will shut down for a certain two-week period, if not more. A lot of businesses who may have used your services such as photography or writing copy or whatever it is, may well be not necessarily needing or requiring those services for the next couple of months. And people have sort of switched off. I've got clients all over the world. And whether I'm talking to somebody in the US or Europe or here in Australia, there's a tendency around about this time to start thinking, okay, I've kind of switched off for the year. And so that can have a flow-on effect to service-based businesses who are acquiring that new business to come in. So today I want to talk to both sides, whether you're e-commerce, whether you're service, whether you're a physical shop, whether you are an online like education hub, everyone goes through uncertainty and a lot of people, particularly at this point of the calendar year, and that is every year and let alone this year where we have so much external factors going on as well, which are really, really causing people anguish and pain. So what can you do when you are in this time of the calendar year, but also in this, you know, mental headspace? So I thought today I'd go through five things that I would advise clients to look at if they come to me and they are in a state of uncertainty. And I have to say that majority of clients, when they do start working with me, or I'm guessing reach out to other business coaches, are doing so because there is a level of uncertainty around what they're about to do. So that could be taking on clients. It could be firing people. It could be restructuring the business. It could be getting the business ready to sell. It could be starting the business or moving the business into a new territory, creating a new collection, whatever it is. We are inundated with uncertainty as business owners, but I know that at this time of year, people can feel particularly uncertain with their business. So I'm going to go through five areas that I would focus on, sort of five activities that I would suggest. And if you want to go through these in text format, you can find the show notes for this over at mydailybusiness.com forward slash podcast forward slash 360. Okay. So the first one should come as absolutely no surprise to anyone who has ever worked with me or listened to this podcast for some time. And that is to map your money. A large part of stress comes from an understanding or maybe lack of understanding around your cash flow. And particularly at this time of year, as I said, retail businesses may have spent huge amounts of money on stock and inventory for the busiest period of the year, and they are not yet reaping the rewards of that. Or they may be worried that people won't actually buy it at full price, and so therefore their profit margin is going down. And there's so much pressure as well at this time of year to take part in all sorts of sales. And I was just talking to my husband last night about something and he said, oh, have they ever really started? I thought those sales don't start until the end of November. And I was like, people are moving them more, you know, earlier and earlier and earlier until probably we're going to be in sale, you know, period in September, basically the whole way through till January. I'm just get joking around there. Uh, I know it's not really that funny for retail businesses, but the first thing that I would do is to map your money. Now, what does that look like? If you have never done this before, there are two numbers that you absolutely want to be clear on and so clear that if somebody asked you 
off the top of your head at any given time of the day, on any day of the week, you would be able to answer them. The first is your survive rate. So that is literally the amount of money you need to survive. Now, there are two parts to this survive, Vicka. There is the number that the business needs to survive. So for example, that may be staff that are absolutely essential in the business. That also will be things like subscriptions to different technology and platforms. So for example, if you're an online store, you may run through Shopify and you'll have certain costs that are associated with that. If you're another type of business, you may have Squarespace or Wix or or anything else. So you have the website costs are part of your survive rate because you absolutely need those to function as a business. There will be other things that are less essential. And so For example, when you go through your technology stack or your subscriptions, you may decide actually those things are not part of my survive rate because we could still function without them. Yes, it might be a little harder, but we could still function. So you have all of the costs associated with just running the business. So in my business, part of my survive rate will include all the costs for the equipment that I use, such as this you know, microphone, if I have to update it. I have various Apple products. I have uh, subscriptions to Zoom. I have subscriptions to the hosting platform for this podcast. And this podcast is very much a part of this core business. So I would say it's the biggest marketing channel that we have outside of our Sunday email. And if you're not on the Sunday email, get on it. You can subscribe at mydailybusiness.com forward slash subscribe. But those costs are imperative to running the business, as is the cost of staff that work for me in the business or work with me, I should say, in the business because I have had those staff or somebody in that role for at least six years. And so it would be a huge change and really, really hinder the business if I was to lose those staff members. And so that is the survive rate for the business. And then within that, is the survive rate for me or you as the business owner and how much you need to take into your home life to survive. Now, you may be a solo operator in life and in business, and so you understand all the costs that come with you know your life. So you may have rent or mortgage. You may have pet fees and vets and pet food and all sorts of things. You may have you know gym subscription, psychology, all those things. They are in your survive rate. So you have the survive figure for the business, and then you need to know how much you need to pay yourself from the business in order to survive in your home life. Now, for other people who may not be solo operators or in life and business, you may contribute a certain percentage to the household bills or mortgage, rent, insurances. You may also have children. You may have elderly parents that you look after. All sorts of things need to come into that survive rate. So that survive rate is the business's survive figure, all the platforms, tools, everything that you need, inventory, commercial rent, all of that. And then you have the number that you need to pay yourself from the business. Now, if you're also in Australia, I would urge you to be paying yourself super and superannuation should be part of your survive rate. It is not a luxury for most people. It is absolutely essential. So you should be putting that to one side, even if it's a self-managed super fund or something else. So that is your survive rate. That is the first number that you want to know when it comes to your money mapping, because you need to know that let's say your finances, your revenues is actually dipping, for example, at this time of year. And you're like, oh my goodness, we were supposed to hit this number. We're not. As long as you know that your survive rate is being hit, it gives you a sense of calm. I mean, not complete calm. Obviously, you don't want to just be aiming for that figure, but you know, okay, I know that my bills will be covered. I know that we can still pay people in the business. I know that I can still 
cover what I need to cover in my household and in my life outside of business. So that is your survive rate. That's the first number and super important for you to know. The second number is more exciting and one that you really want to focus on more, which is not more, but one that is more exciting to focus on, I should say. And that is your thrive figure. So that is your survive rate plus the things that you really want to get done in you know the next six to 12 months. So that may be hiring somebody else to come in. Maybe if you have a physical store, you might say, we actually really need to put in the wages for somebody else to be in this store so that I'm not working seven days a week. You may also have in there things like new uniforms, a studio space. Maybe you need a larger studio space to expand the business. All sorts of things will come into there. You may also have, hey, we want to do a rebrand. We want to do a refresh. I want to work with a business coach. I have to say, yes, business coaches are amazing and I work as one. However, they are not absolutely essential. And I know that's probably shooting myself in the foot, but a business coach is a luxury, as is any kind of mastermind or any group that you're in. Yes, they can be absolutely instrumental and transformational for your business. But when it comes to your survive rate, that is literally what the business needs to survive. And so there may be other ways that you can get that information. But in your Thrive figure, you might decide, yeah, I want to be in a mastermind. I want to go to this conference. I want to you know, be part of this, I don't know, membership model. I want to have a business coach. I want to work with a business coach the whole year, whatever it is. All of those extra things have to be added to your survive rate to come up with your Thrive figure. Once you have those two numbers, then the money mapping actually happens, which is you need to understand what your revenue streams are and how much each revenue stream is bringing in. Now, you want to have some sort of way of tracking this. It can be a basic Excel sheet, which literally lists out, here are my revenue streams and here's the goal attached to each revenue stream. And then here's how much that means per month, for example, that we're bringing in. And you may have things that are seasonal, so it may not be per month. It might be per quarter or however you decide that. But you want to know, this is my Thrive figure. How am I going to achieve it using these different revenue streams. So for example, if you're a product-based business, you may have your online store, you might have your physical store, and then you may also have things like subscriptions or some sort of recurrent revenue. If you're a service-based business, you may have, for example, retainer clients, that's your recurring revenue. You may have one-on-one kind of coaching or one-on-one services that you provide. And then you may have group stuff that you do. You may also, if you're a service-based, be selling things like online courses or books or some other kind of programs. So you want to have your survive rate, your thrive figure, and then once you have your thrive figure, understanding these are the revenue streams and this is how much each revenue stream needs to bring in in order for us to hit that thrive figure. So let's say right now you're sitting there and you're feeling a little uncertain about money. You sell products and you have a shop and an e-commerce component. So you have an online store and physical store. You may be looking at your revenue streams and going, okay, the online store is really underperforming. So what is it about what we've done in our marketing in the past or what we're not doing at the moment that is leading to that decline? Maybe it could also be that, I don't know, you've updated your website recently and people can't actually find things. Maybe you have slowed down on your email marketing. So you're not driving any kind of repeat purchases or money coming in from people that have already bought from you before. Maybe you are not thinking outside the box in terms of the marketing that you're doing. If you are a physical store selling products, you may well be like, okay, let's say, let's say it was reversed and your online store is performing really well, but your physical location is down in terms of where it should be against your Thrive figure and that goal that you had for that revenue stream, that being your physical store. And so you might think, okay, what are we doing with local area marketing? So 
That will be things like looking at the local area and figuring out how can we collaborate? How can we do, you know, like shopping nights or anything that's going to drive people in store? You may, let's say you're a homewares business. You might decide, you know what, coming up towards the end of year, we are going to look at how to put on an incredible feast for your family or whoever it is that you're celebrating and so how to entertain. And so you may actually have a stylist who comes in for an evening and you have, you know, a special shopping night that night. You may have another shopping expedition where you drive people in who have an Airbnb around your area. And so you might be like, okay, if you have an Airbnb in this area, we're going to have like a special night. We're going to have a stylist who shows us how to style, you know, the bathroom, the shower, all of those kinds of things. Also, you could even have like a chef. Let's say you sell kitchen products. You might have a chef coming in to show people how to cook, how to whip up really easy entree and canapé type food for entertaining at this time of year. So there's so many things that you can do that are outside the box to generate more buzz, more traffic, literally foot traffic into your store and hopefully more sales. So those are the kinds of things that can only come when you know your numbers. You can come up with all these ideas, but if your if your physical store is performing really well, there's no not no point, but it may be better your effort going into getting the online store up and running than to pour more money into the physical store. Not always, but without knowing those figures, it's hard to know where your effort needs to go. And when you're uncertain around money, it can be easy to panic and start doing all this like scattergun, I would say, ad hoc marketing that is not strategic and is really like pressing a panic button and you're not actually thinking, okay, this revenue stream is not performing so well. And let's think about when it has been performing well, what were we doing? What have we stopped doing? So often I work with clients who are 10 or 15 years into a business. And when we bring these sorts of things up, they'll be like, oh, we used to do that. We used to do that when I first opened. We used to have those. And then I don't know, I don't know, we just stopped doing them, but they were really good when we did them. And so it's just bringing all those ideas to the fore again, and really looking at your networks, your connections, your collaborations, potential partnerships, all of those things that can help. If you're a service-based business and you're looking at a revenue stream, let's say, for example, you are a photographer and so you have campaign shoots that you do, but you used to do, let's say, staff photos and you used to do going into kind of corporates and offices and doing, you know, the behind the scenes or who are we or the team photos. Now, it could be something that you used to do with certain companies and then you kind of just forgot to get in touch with them or maybe during the pandemic they shut down their office for a while so there wasn't actually staff in there so there wasn't really the need to do it. It's about looking at that and going, you know what, those retainer clients or those clients that were booking us at least four times a year have kind of fallen away and we're not really marketing to them. So it's going back to think, okay, how do we market? Is it as simple as emailing more in, you know, getting in touch more? Is it offering some new package for them so that they sign up for the next year? especially if they're a bigger company where staff are often being, I was going to say replenished is the wrong word, but where new staff are coming in and that brand wants to create a consistent tone with you know the images that they have on their website or in store or in presentations or proposals. And so in both cases, whether you're product or service or both, 
sometimes we can get complacent with our marketing and it's only when we get to this time of year that you start looking at your revenue streams and looking at where are we not performing and then how can we reverse engineer our marketing to hit those goals and to see that performance rise. So that's the first thing, money mapping. And if you want to go into this in more detail, we have a course that is on this. It's a short self-paced course. You can find it at mydailybusiness.com forward slash courses. And that is just the money mapping course. We've had hundreds of people do that. And so many people have said, this has transformed the way I look at my finances. And just a you know caveat, we're not a CFO. I'm not an accountant, but I've worked with thousands of businesses now and understand the really important things that people need to get clear on. And so just to recap, with money mapping, you want to know your survive figure, your thrive figure, your revenue streams, and how each of those is performing. Once you have that knowledge, often that can be enough to alleviate some of the uncertainty. And even if those numbers that come up aren't great, at least you have a starting point as opposed to just going, it's all crap, it's not working. And at least you know, okay, this part isn't working. So what are we doing to rectify things? So that's the first thing out of the five things that I think can help with uncertain times. First is money mapping. The second is to really look at your health. Now, I know this can seem a little like, oh, I don't even have time to look at my health, but I trust the people that are saying that or thinking that need to look at it the most. So what can this look like? It can look like, how are you making time for your health? Now, with uncertainty can come stress. Stress has a major impact on our physical and mental and emotional health. Now, if we're being proactive about our health, chances are we are in a better position physically, mentally to cope with stress and uncertainty when it arises. So it's about being proactive and not only looking after your health when things like force you into looking after your health. There is this great, I think it's an Arabian proverb that says, he who has health has hope and he who has hope has everything. And I feel like so often we only look after our health because something is hurting or we only look after our mental health when we are almost at breaking point. So you want to be proactive about your health. And for some people that will look like going to the gym a certain amount of times. For others, it might be a daily walk. For other people, maybe you're not in the position to walk. And so you might be doing something on YouTube or doing some stretches or yoga or whatever way that you can really look after your physical health so that you actually have the strength to deal with things. And that could be, you know, physical strength if you're in the product-based business, but it could also be just that resilience of, I feel strong, I feel healthy at the moment. And then with your mental health, I mean, there's so many ways to look after your mental health proactively. Of course, if you need it, I would be reaching out to your GP and going to see a professional. But there are also, you know, mental health coaches out there. I know that, I think I mentioned at the start, if you are in Australia, the new Access program by Beyond Blue offers six free mental health coaching sessions for small business owners. And if you're not a small business owner and you don't have an ABN, I think they have another program for that. But there are also other things like meditation, prayer. You know, if you may be somebody who wants to go to synagogue or temple or or mosque or church. And so maybe that's something that part of looking after your health is looking after your spiritual health. It may be journaling. It could be spending some time with friends. It could be small things like watching comedy or listening to comedy. I was looking at some podcast rankings recently and the most popular, I think it was the most popular podcast in Australia, are comedy from comedians. And I thought that's a really interesting thing. And I wonder if that goes up and down depending on you know what is going on globally. 
I would imagine that it goes up because people really need to seek out that joy and that happiness somewhere when things feel really dark and and hopeless. So I would be looking at your health and how much effort are you actually putting into that versus how much you're putting into, I don't know, things like growing your Instagram. So I really would look at, okay, every week at the start of the week, what am I doing to look after my health? So for me, I go for daily walks or I go to probably a long walk with the dogs four, if not five times a week. I also do do some journaling. I recently bought a really nice little gratitude journal from Clever Fox. I have mentioned Clever Fox before. I have their budgeting journal and their gratitude journal is pretty, pretty nice. And it's just a very simple thing. You kind of fill it in in the morning and you fill it in the evening. We will of course link to that in the show notes, but looking after your health so that you're not forced into looking after it. You are looking after it proactively. So again, at the start of the week, figuring out. So for me, I figure out when I'm going to go for my walks. It's usually the same days every week. And I have recently done a podcast on that, how I actually get out in the morning. We'll link to that in the show notes. But looking at that, I also look at with my amazing assistant, we look at my calendar and she will sometimes send me a WhatsApp and be like, hey, it looks like you're quite busy on this day. Do you want me to move something so that you've got enough time to have lunch or you know, just have a breather between sessions? The other thing that I'll do is at the start of pretty much every session, I do a one-minute meditation with whoever I'm in a session with, whether that's a one-on-one client or group coaching, or if I'm just coming in and doing a masterclass for somebody else's programs, I will often do a one-minute meditation at the start, just some deep breathing to relax everything. Myself, I also try to go a couple of times a quarter, it's not always, to a float tank. So I just went to one on the weekend. I often use Beyond Rest in Collingwood. That's not an ad. They're just really great. And so that is also something to like reset the system because you are literally without any of your senses. For anyone who's never done it, it is just, I think, really amazing. I know some people find it claustrophobic or they feel a bit nauseous. I haven't had those issues myself, but it's just figuring out how am I looking after my health at the start of each week and then at the start of each quarter? What am I doing? And how can I increase that over time? So I was just talking to my husband recently about this with my walks. I have been able to, we've we've recently moved house and so my walk has gone from about 45 minutes to an hour and 20 minutes. But I have recently cut that down to an hour and 10 minutes and I'm trying to get it to less than an hour. Now, that is increasing my strength in order to, it's a very hilly walk, to be able to get through that in that space of time. So I've got these little kind of markers of increasing my health over time. But health is also about connection and social connection. And if you're working for yourself, sometimes you're a solo operator or like me, I work from home. Sometimes you can have this feeling that like, oh, I'm being social because I'm on Zoom or I'm you know talking to suppliers or manufacturers or whoever but I'm actually not getting out and being social with like friends or things like that. So this was something that came up for me during the pandemic where I really realized that I had stopped being so social as I used to be. And so I created a book club. I've made some really good friends out of that book club that I see more regularly, just one-on-one. And then I've got other friends that I've been like, you know what, I am going to set a date every quarter and we are catching up. We're going for dinner or we're going to their people's house for, for lunch or whatever it is. And so that social element is really important to your health as well. So I don't know if any of this is making sense, but when it comes to your health, which is the second point of the five that I'm going to talk about with facing uncertainty, looking after your health is 
being proactive, what do you need for physical health, what do you need for mental health, and what do you need for your spiritual health, and making sure that you put the effort in to be proactive about that stuff and not letting it slide. Because it doesn't matter how much money you earn from your business or how successful, in you know quotes, it is, if you don't have your health, you really don't have anything. So, and I've seen that, I've seen it with clients where their mental health is not at a great point and their, you know, business is amazing from the outset and they don't feel fulfilled. Or I've seen people, I've been in there firsthand where last year when my back went out, I just literally couldn't do anything and everything came to a, you know, crushing halt. And so I'm super proactive about looking after my back now. You don't want to be in that space. The other thing with health is to look at are there any changes you can make in your work environment. So for example, I have a standing desk. I recently bought a walking pad, which is kind of like a treadmill. So when I'm doing sort of tedious things, not when I'm talking to clients, but when I'm doing, I don't know, admin or other things that need to get done, I will put on the treadmill, pretty low setting, but I will just get some extra steps in. And it's really good for my back, especially when I've got my standing desk up. And so really looking at in your environment, other things that could help you. I also listen to a chill sounds playlist to, you know, bring stress down and other such things. So there's so much you can do for your health and it doesn't have to be these big, oh, I'm going to run a marathon. It can just be small changes that you make in, say, for example, getting a standing desk and that can do wonders for your health over the long term. So that's the second point, health, look after it because that will help you be able to deal with uncertainty and stress. The third point to these kind of five things that can help in uncertain times is time blocking. And again, I know I talk about this all the time, but when you are consistently moving from task to task and different thing and different thing, you are literally switching different parts of your brain around. And it can take, I think studies have shown up to 20 to 40 minutes to get back into doing what you were originally doing. So for example, if you're constantly getting interrupted or if you are not time blocking and so you're working on this thing and then suddenly you get sidetracked and now you're working on this thing and then you're going to go to this part of the business and then you know later after lunch you're going to do this thing, it can be really difficult to feel like you're actually focusing and getting the best use out of yourself and potentially out of your staff as well. And so time blocking has been absolutely game changing for me. And I also feel like when it comes to uncertainty and stress, having a little structure, I know can help for a lot of people. Now, I know there's lots of creative people that think somehow structure doesn't work for creative people. I would say that it works even more for creative people because it gives you a sense of almost like in a good way, restricting. I once met this guy years ago. He was talking at an event I was at and I remember him saying that creativity works best where it is kind of, how did he put it? He sort of aligned it to a fire. So he was like, if you put a fire and just let it run, it'll kind of go all over. But if you let a fire run, but it's in a contained environment, it is incredible how it can burn and the strength and everything else that can come from that. And so when it comes to creativity, I do think that sometimes putting a bit of a structure around it can actually help you to be more creative. And so with time blocking, that is an incredible structure. When I started my business, I was doing writing for different publications. I was doing coaching. I was turning up and running masterclasses for different people's membership and groups and masterminds. I was doing speaking gigs. I was all sorts of things, ghostwriting, doing people's social media, all sorts of stuff. And so I was just going from task to task and I just felt confused every day. Honestly, I was like, oh, I don't even know what I need to work on today. I don't know what the priorities are. Since time blocking, it has been game changing. So 
for me, this looks like I only see clients on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I have one client I see on Mondays because it works really well for them and they're amazing. And so I see one client on every so often on a Monday. The rest of my Monday is admin, marketing, recording this podcast, included in that marketing, writing my Sunday email. That's the sort of stuff that has to get done on Monday, getting back to key things, meeting with my staff. And then Tuesday, I mainly do group programs. So I do group coaching is usually always on a Tuesday. Just FYI, if you're thinking about coming into the next group, which will start in March, 2024, you can find all that info at mydailybusiness.com forward slash group coaching. But group coaching, if I do any masterclasses, it's usually on a Tuesday and usually the morning. Marketing for your small business, is the group, the course and coaching is always on a Tuesday. And then in the afternoon, I might do masterclasses for other people, speaking gigs, etc. Wednesday, I have the day off with my son. Thursday is one-on-one coaching calls. So Tuesday and Thursday, that's when I talk to people. The rest of the week, I'm either being a mum full-time or doing my marketing and admin. So things have to get done. So I don't come into my office on a Tuesday and I'm like, oh, what am I doing today? Because things have been structured that way. Also, I'm not flicking my brain from marketing mind and batching content to, okay, now I need to turn up to a masterclass and talk about X, Y, Z, and then I'm going to have my one-on-ones. When I have my one-on-ones, I'm usually doing them not directly after each other, but on that particular day. So I'm in that head space of, okay, this, you know, this is my client. This is what I need to be doing. On Tuesdays, I'm in my headspace with groups and we have a WhatsApp group and getting back to things. And then on Friday is uh, either a day with my son or more recently he was in childcare while I got my second book written. So everything is time blocked. And I, it also means that I can switch off. So instead of stressing about marketing on a Wednesday, it's like, cool. I can put my notes together. I can, you know, send myself something, but I know that I'll deal with that on Monday because that's my marketing day. So time blocking has been amazing for dealing with uncertainty. It's even with, in terms of revenue stream mapping, I can go, okay, I work with people on a Tuesday and Thursday. How many sessions could I do? Say, for example, one-on-one coaching. And then what does that look like for the year? And then what's my goal if all of those sessions were filled? So it can be hugely beneficial. Plus, once you time block, you can then add in automation or tools. We use Calendly, for example, so that my clients can only book when I'm actually free. Likewise, if somebody is booking in to come onto the podcast, they can only do that on two particular times on a Monday. So it's helping me so much. Instead of being in this frenetic, I don't know what I'm doing each day, I know exactly what I'm doing, which can really help stay calm. And also if there is uncertainty, I know when in the week I can deal with that, which is not usually on a Tuesday or Thursday because I see clients. So that is the third point of the five things that I would suggest if you're feeling a little uncertain. First, money mapping. Second, health. Third, time blocking. The fourth, I would say, is really taking the time to share how you're feeling with somebody else. And I know this can sound kind of I don't know, twee is the wrong word, but it can sound a little lighthearted sometimes as if, well, how's that going to help? So often it can help when we feel that we're less alone, that we're not the only people going through this. I know that I am in the privileged position of talking to small business owners all of the time. And so I'm seeing the same things come up over and over and over. And sometimes I'll reiterate that and be like, you know what? I had somebody just this morning who was going through the exact same thing. And I think that can give people a sense of, you know, feeling that it's not just them that's kind of failing for want of a better word or not understanding or not getting this or feeling that it's all too much, that they 
are not, you know, sitting in some sort of cocoon outside of the rest of the world, that they are part of a group of people who feel very similar. So whether that is talking in terms of, you know, you may have a structured approach to meeting other business owners, like a group coaching program or an accountability circle or a mastermind or something like that, or you may have a more casual approach. So maybe you've got some friends that are in business and it's just a case of catching up with them and being like, hey, how are you going with that? Or did you want to get a coffee? Because this is how I'm kind of feeling. I don't know if you're feeling like that. And that can be really vulnerable to to put yourself out there and do that. But trust me, I would say that 95% of the time that other person would really welcome the chance to talk about their own issues and things that they've got going on and not feel like they're the only person that's doing it. I recently interviewed Odette Barry from Hack Your PR and that interview will be up very shortly, I think next week. And she was talking about that she's created this kind of, or I'm not sure if she's created it, but she's part of this group of, I think it's eight business owners who meet, I think every Friday, maybe I'm getting it incorrect, but they meet regularly at a restaurant and whoever can come can come and whoever can't can can't. But it's a really lovely way to physically meet up with people and to be able to share your business wins and challenges. And I think particularly when you're feeling uncertain, we can tend to pull into ourselves and pull away from that help that can come when we talk and share. So what can that look like? It could literally just be a text with somebody. It could be asking, you know, maybe an Instagram friend, hey, would you love to get on Zoom? Maybe we could just do a half hour call. It doesn't have to be a long thing. And as long as it's a win-win and you're both sharing and you're there to listen as well as talk, it can be so incredibly helpful. If you are in group coaching program or mastermind or some sort of accountability group, then it's it may be that, you know, maybe it's like, so for example, our group coaching program runs every two weeks, but in that time, we also put people together as buddies so they can catch up. And we also have a WhatsApp chat group. So there are ways to connect. And we've definitely had people in the WhatsApp group be like, Hey guys, this is how I'm feeling right now. And they're vulnerable and they're brave by putting that out. But every single time, There will be so many people replying going, that's exactly how I feel too. And so you get this sense of camaraderie and just a real sense that you are not alone in handling all of this. I also think sometimes when you talk and share, you know, what do they say? A problem shared is a problem halved or something. You can often get some incredible feedback from people where they're like, oh, really? I don't think I, you know, that's not how I see it. Or this is what I think you could do. Or I think you're amazing and doing X, Y, Z. You know, I think so often we can be our worst, harshest critic. And so when we can talk and share, quite often we it's almost like the lens gets pulled away from us and we see the reality and we see, you know, what's possible. And I know that whenever I've shared how I'm feeling with, you know, some of my really good friends who are business owners, I just instantly feel this sense of relaxed, like, okay, I can deal with this. I've got somebody on my side, you know, we can do this together. It's just wonderful. And I think the older you get, and particularly if you are, you know, like me, I don't have my parents anymore, unfortunately, or maybe you don't have a relationship like that with your parents who are, who are living. Sometimes we can get that sense of just this unconditional support from friends that maybe we could have got from parents or family and for whatever reason we don't have that and it can be a wonderful thing to have that. I think the older you get, the more you realise good friends and good people in your life are so important. So if you are feeling uncertain about something right now, I would urge you to reach out to somebody. It could be a friend, it could be you know another business owner, it could be just somebody on Instagram that you're friends with, get into the DMs and just have a chat and believe me, I'm sure that they would love to also support you and also talk to you about what they need and what their challenges are. 
because believe me, so many people are going through uncertainty right now. And so that's number four. And the last point is taking action and giving back to others. So I've talked before about how I grew up volunteering. My parents were volunteers all their life, pretty much we volunteered. And then I volunteered as a young adult and then volunteered overseas, worked at a homeless centre, volunteered at a homeless centre, I should say, for a while when I was in the UK and have done various volunteer stints since getting back. And I know that whenever I've done that, I don't know how this is going to sound, but you just feel so appreciative of everything that you have and grateful, but also you get a real perspective shift of what people are actually going through. And it's not to compare suffering for suffering because, you know, your suffering is just the same as somebody else's suffering, maybe on in different degrees. But I think sometimes volunteering, it forces us to give and rather than be thinking, what do I need? What do I need? We're thinking about what other people need. Now that could be volunteering. It could also just be mentoring. It could be, you know, maybe answering some questions on Instagram and be like, Hey, I'm around for the next 20 minutes. What questions do you have? And just giving back to your community and strengthening those relationships. It could also look like donating, you know, maybe you're going to do some sort of event or have something for sale at the moment. And a percentage of that goes to a cause or a charity or something that you're really passionate about. It could be looking at how do you give back in your local area or community? I know, for example, my son goes to primary school here and they are often having fundraisers. You know, there are other community events, refugee groups and certain places where, you know, you might say, hey, how could I help? How could I help? I don't know what you need, but I'm putting my hand up to help. And it could be in so many different ways that you give back. So often that can just make us feel incredible. You're also doing something good and you're getting outside your head. So often this uncertainty that we're feeling can be just spiraling inside our head and snowballing. And sometimes all it takes is asking people like, how are you doing? What can I do for you right now? How can I help you with something that gets us outside of that mindset and really, really helps us? So there's so many other things that you can do in times of uncertainty, but I hope that these five, money mapping, looking after your health, time blocking, talking and sharing, and then taking action and helping others can really, really help when it comes to alleviating a bit of that uncertainty and knowing where you're going, why you're doing it, but also knowing that you're not alone. I think that's one of the biggest things that comes out of times of uncertainty is feeling that we're the only ones who are not getting it, or we're the only ones who are not coping, or we're the only ones that are being challenged. And I mean, look around at the world right now, that is absolutely not the case. But it's also about thinking, how can I find a way out of this? Uncertainty is part of life. It is going to come sometimes in much stronger doses than others, but it's how can I manage this and how can I move through it in a way that is you know, in alignment with your values, but also helps in terms of your business and the way that you view yourself in the world. So that is it for today's coaching episode, really looking at things that can help you when you're feeling uncertain. And believe me, you are not the only one. I talk to small business owners all day long, whether they're clients or people just in the DMs, and everyone is feeling this real sense of uncertainty at the moment. So I'll leave it with you to go through those, figure out which ones you want to take on board, which ones you might leave behind. But I really hope that there's some helpful stuff in there for you. As I said at the start, all of this will be shown in the show notes, which you can find for this episode at mydailybusiness.com forward slash podcast forward slash 360. And if you wanted to get into money mapping and really sort out your revenue streams and understand your money for next year, then definitely 
go and check out the Money Mapping course. It's really short. I think it's about an hour and it can do such wonders for your business. And you can find that at mydailybusiness.com forward slash courses. All right, I'll leave it there. And thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. And just know you are not alone. Thanks for listening to the My Daily Business Podcast. For a range of tools to help you grow and start your business, including coaching programs, courses, and templates, check out our shop at mydailybusiness.com forward slash shop. And if you want to get in touch, you can do that by email, hello at mydailybusiness.com, or you can hit us up on Instagram at mydailybusiness underscore. You can find us on TikTok at mydailybusiness or find me, Fiona Kalaki, on LinkedIn. I look forward to connecting.